people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Slow Wells Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation. My name is Kendra. And Ramon. As we have in our previous podcast, we always start with a powerful motivational quote. And it starts by saying, don't let someone dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. Mm, okay. Man. Don't take my I, shine. I think this is just self-explanatory. Do not let someone dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. People always try to, you know, basically just hate. I am so sorry, y'all. If y'all hear heavy breathing in the background, that's our dog. He's playing with his ball, and he is, like, going ham. He's a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> no, he is not. He's just he's just very playful, very rambunctious. Uh, yeah. So what are we um, talking about today? And what are we talking about today? So, today's topic is going to be about appraisals. We've talked about it in a past podcast, but this subject is very personal. I'll just say it's very personal simply because there was a topic or actually an issue that came up recently about Um, an interracial couple in Jacksonville, Florida, black wife, white husband that um, had their home appraised and basically they were discriminated upon. Um, But before we get into that, we want to get into uh, discussing the current housing market. Yes, ma'am. So the current housing market is actually booming. It is. It's actually booming because uh, for the first time ever, the national median home price, according to Realtor.com, has surpassed the $300,000 level as of July. Damn. Damn. Yeah, so as like July of 2019, it was 280 So the national, the average median home price for a home it's three hundred thousand. Is this pre or post COVID? This is post COVID. So as of July. Oh wow! So a month, about a month ago. Uh, like it's really going up. Like it's it's a seller's market, <clears throat> and the way that they figure out how it's a seller's market is they look at what the the month supply um, is on the market. So right now it's about three point one month supply of homes on the market. That's it. Is That's that- it. Do they consider that to be a lot? Because it isn't. Because when I read some articles, they were saying that there's not enough houses on the market. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. That's lower. Yeah. Because uh, back in June, it was 3.9. July, it was 4.2. So it kind of had a little dip and it went back up, you know, when they started shutting everything down. Sellers got a little nervous. And then... It came right back. So it's like the market was down 40-some percent, I believe, I believe negative 40. It was down 41%, the market was, back in, uh, I want to say, June, May, June. Then it shot up 40% year over year. So, I mean, it just, it just went crazy. And so the three-month supply, for people who don't know, what that's saying is if you take all the, the homes that's on the market right now, it would take three months, three point one months, for to sell all those homes. Oh wow! So, you know, 
really looking at that, that's not a lot of inventory. And you have way more buyers. I think the buyers is like shot up 12% um, than its previous peak. So it's it's like people are really, really getting in this market. And slowly but surely, it actually picked up, you know, going back in July, a lot of those markets, the, the high markets like Seattle, San Jose, San Francisco, the sellers have entered the market. They've re-entered the market, let me say that. So basically, there's a lot more sellers selling their homes, properties in those cities specifically, um, but, but really around the country, even more now because they're getting even more money for their, their property. Um, so it's up about 8.1% uh, home sales. The national median home sale as of July was 304,100. Last year, July, it was, like I said, 280,400. So it's, it's went up substantially. Um, yeah, let's see what else. What else? Existing home sales. I mean, like the markets is so. If you look at it like this, there's certain cities in the country where the market has really done great, and I'm gonna tell you all those cities just in case y'all live in one of those. So where you want to buy? In where one you want to buy? Yeah, I, yeah. Let me yeah. say that. So either if you live in these cities or you thinking about buying in these cities, let's say you used to live there, you know some people or whatever. These cities are the 2020's hottest zip, zip codes per Realtor.com. And the way they find these out is they go, they base it off of a percentage year over year of views. So they go, they look at how many people are viewing properties in these zip codes. And then they also look at how many median days these properties stay on the market. So the first one, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Expensive. Zip code 80911. Clean. The average days that the property sits on the market is 13 days. Beautiful. The median listing price, 287000 What? I thought it would be way more expensive than that in the spring. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, like I said, the market is still going. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just as, like, basically year to the as of August, uh, mid-August. Uh, the second one, zip code 43068. Reynoldsburg, Ohio. What? Where is that? What is that even close to? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even want to look. The average day that it sits on the market is 17 days. The median listing price, 204000 Now, you got to think. The market is is still rising, and the average listing price is two hundred four. or average median price is $204,000. In Ohio? What was it before? Yeah. <laughs> That's still cheap. Compared to a lot of places. The third place, I probably wouldn't have thought of this one. Uh, Zip code 14617, Rochester, New York. Oh, my God. No. I would not move there. Well, hey. It's a lot of people moving there. You talking about New York City? They moving there out of the city, too. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, if you live in Jersey, you know, parts of Jersey Mm -hmm. or, you know, in... Manhattan, or you know, like in yep. Manhattan or one of the other boroughs. Hey, I lived there, yeah. it was cheaper than New York City. Yeah, I would too. Uh, average days, uh, being on the market 18 days, median listing price 162,000. Because who wants to live in Rochester? Well, it's gonna be a lot more people, yeah. But I mean, the average home price in New York is like what one million dollars or something like that, 1.4 or something like that. I believe so. 
Uh, the Forest City, Melrose, Massachusetts. Uh, the zip code, they don't even put the full zip code. <laughs> like 2176. They're like, like, who wants to live in Massachusetts anyway? The average days on the market, 19. The median listing price, 644000 Jesus, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Boston area. So that must be in the Boston area. Yeah, then. I believe so. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fifth uh, hottest zip code. Well, again, they gave me four damn numbers. South Portland, Maine. Median listing price, or median days on the market, sorry. It's 21 days. Median listing price is 377000 hmm. Six. You probably won't. I don't think anybody gets this one. The views on per property year over year in this zip code has went up 99%. Topeka, Kansas. Okay, I could see that. Zip code 66. Six. Ooh, I don't even want to say all these. It's three sixes <laughs> and one four. <laughs> Three sixes and one four. The average uh, median days on the market nineteen days. The uh, median listing price one hundred eighty four thousand. Well, it's not that far from Kansas City, and it's not that far away from Wichita, either. So you can yeah. live close. You know what I mean? It, if you don't want to spend the money uh, to live in, because it's closer to Wyandotte County, mm-hmm, yeah. which is Kansas City, Kansas, mm-hmm. in which you know housing prices are going up. For those that don't know, there's two Kansas cities. Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas and Kansas, and Kansas City, 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 Missouri. We always had to explain that to people when we lived there. Casey Mo, Casey K. The dot, dot, <laughs> dot. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Number seven. And gave me a four digit zip code, 3051. Hudson, New Hampshire. Average median day on the market, 22 days. Median listing price, 350000 Number eight. Worcester, Massachusetts, another one. Average median day on the market, 21. Listing price, 318000 Wow, that's that's quite a significant difference between two cities in the Massachusetts, you know, in, in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah, you're in wow. line, yeah, because that's, that's 300000 Right. So that, that that's crazy. Boston area is and Bo- hella well, expensive. The, well, the crazy thing is Massachusetts is not that big, so... I'm wondering if one of these is probably an area that's being gentrified. Or landlocked. Because it does, you know, like if yeah. it's more west uh-huh. or whatever, that's you know. Uh, number nine, 22152 zip code, Springfield, Virginia. Median days on the market, seven. There is some serious so bidding wars going that's on. That's crazy that you put a, pro- a property on the market and it's gone within seven days. Well, all of them are gone under 30 days. Yeah. That's which crazy. Is still, which, yeah, but seven is like. Yeah, okay. The median listing price, 553000 Okay, so that's close to the water then. It has to be. Well, you know what? I don't know because the weird thing is you, every time the economy really starts having that downturn, you know, some of the properties that go on the market the fastest mm-hmm. is usually the ones by the water. Mm-hmm. You know, oceanfront, beachfront property. So. Yeah, because those I are usually, usually people's second homes or vacation uh, homes or whatever. Yeah. They're giving them up. So I don't know. I have to see what that is. Last but not least, number 10, the hottest top 10 zip codes, hottest zip codes of 2020. Mm-hmm. 27604. 27604. Hmm. I'll see if you can guess where that's at. Two seven six zero four. What was the Virginia one? Two two one five two. So two two seven six zero four zero four. Pennsylvania. Nope. 
Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, Durham. The views of uh, the views per property year over year has increased eighty one percent. Oh, that's because you got the triangle. Mm-hmm. The median days on the market twenty five. What's the triangle? Raleigh, Durham, Cary. Is it Raleigh, Durham, Cary? It's uh, I want is it Winston Salem? Or maybe it's not Winston. No, it's not Winston Salem. It's, it's Raleigh, Raleigh Durham. Durham, and it's another city, yeah, it's but another. they all have like these major universities. Yeah, and it's if you live in that area, there's a lot of uh, I think medical students. Yeah, they have top medical schools out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the median listing price there is two hundred seventy-three thousand. So how long does it stay on the market? Twenty-five days. Being that. Everything that you named is under 30 days on the market. On the market, there are some serious bidding wars. So that means that when these people, let's say, for example, they put their house on the market for 250, they probably getting like damn near double what they put it on the market for. Probably, it probably depends, but you know, they're really getting substantially more than what they're probably listening for. Yeah, you're right. And depending on the realtor, you know. If they want to start a bidding war, they might put it fifty, seventy-five thousand less than what everything else is on. Yeah. Because then you're gonna get twenty, thirty people putting in bids. And <laughs> now you, you know what I'm saying? Now, now you get way more than you, you know what I'm saying? You asked for so. Um, and this is very this this subject uh, with the housing market and how we're talking about the median house price is very important too when it comes to appraisals. It is. It is very important. So. Yeah, I mean, again, just really sum that up. I mean, if you're not buying, you should be. Um, you got to get in the market. I mean, and like you said, it's, it is very competitive because there's a lot there's a lot of people looking. Right. There's no the, the inventory is real low. You know, the supply and demand, basically. You know, there's way more buyers than there are sellers. Um, but statistically, the end of the year... It's usually when you get your best deals. It, but, but there's usually not very many places on the market, right? Or is it the Sometimes, you know, but the ones that is, is those ones that's probably been sitting and then you can really negotiate with the seller. But now because of COVID and everybody, you know, schools being canceled and all, you know, a lot of things I think are going to like be reversed now. Mm-hmm. Where people are going to probably be traveling more in the wintertime. This one, or maybe, maybe, depending on what things happen, you know, and buying more, you know. So it'd be interesting to see how that third and fourth quarter um, turns out uh, for the real estate. I think it's still going to be good. So uh, interest rates are still low. The Fed say they're not, they're not going to raise it. They're going to do like an average, I think it's at two to three percent, but it's not going to make a big difference. Hmm. Uh, so. This is the best time. If you got something, and let's say you got a higher interest rate, this is the best time to refinance. Right. You know what I'm saying? We just did one. So refinance, drop your payment, or take cash out, and go buy something. If you know how to do that, that might be our next one, you know, the whole refinancing stage, pulling cash out. We'll see. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we refinanced. It took how many months for us to refinance? It took four months. Four months. That's Man, long. they set tripping. Yeah, that's long, and that's uh, that's not a normal time to refinance on a smaller property, uh, but because of COVID, every lender has had like an influx of people putting in applications to buy and refinance, and then unfortunately, 
if you're buying, they're giving you <laughs> they're giving you precedence over people that's refinancing. Right. Because you're just trying to refinance and get a lower payment. But they're they trying to get the people that's buying. Rate. Yeah, the lower interest rate, which <laughs> equivalents to lower payment. Mm -hmm. But they got people that are trying to buy. So they're lending money. You know, so it took a long time. It, it felt like forever. But, uh, yeah, we finally finished. So It did take forever. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, like discretionary spending or personal spending, people are becoming a lot more conservative because the $600, you know, that has been... That, that ended um, July 31st. And uh, for some reason, everywhere that we've been, everybody was driving a brand new Cadillac. I'm like, are they giving these damn Cadillacs away? So many people have had new cars. It is ridiculous. Not, I mean, just, you know, driving on the interstate and going state to state. And just seeing all these 30-day tags, I'm like, man, what are they doing? What is going on? We got the unemployment check. Like, right. About to get that new caddy. Right. But, you know, hopefully um, those that are um, unemployed or furloughed, uh, temporarily or permanently laid off, man, hopefully you've been very diligent about saving that extra money that you've received. I hope so. Because, I mean, they're getting us prepared for something. Something's going to happen. And usually with uh, the way things are going, where they're out here, they're putting um, the vote and not the people first. That's usually when the downturn comes. You know what I mean? Because it, it's all about politics and not about the people. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, it's about right now, it's about the votes and not the people. Anytime I turn on the television and we do not watch much news or whatever, um, simply because it just kind of, you know, it just it, it just doesn't work for us. Um, Which uh, I do want to slide in. Okay. Like you said, I hope everybody is being wise with the money that they've been getting. Also with stocks. Oh yes. You know the stock market. You know, it's it's a roller coaster. You know, and it's not for the faint of heart. Like you know, you would be high and green and flying one day, mm -hmm. and then like today, it'd be you know, it'd be real bloody, as they say. You know, it's just all red. It's everything all red. is everything is down. The Dow, the S and P, the Nasdaq, everything is down. All these techs, and and the funny thing is, a lot of people didn't realize. You know, the tech. Uh, stocks is what's really been increasing in, you know yeah on this uh, this 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 uh this increase of uh, the trend of everything else doing good mm -hmm. you know the s p skyrocketing because these stocks tesla um you know facebook and the google and amazon i mean apple you know tesla and apple just doing their stock split just i mean these thank companies you, Apple. have <laughs> right. I, thank you so much these, these companies have become trillionaire <laughs> companies you know like that's crazy, yeah. Two trillion dollars is, I think, is Apple's, you know, work. How Two much trillion? Really, how many zeros is that? I, I I talked to somebody the other day. I can't remember what. I said you worth two trillion dollars. Apple could give out the next stimulus package. They sure could because the one that they're proposing now is like five hundred billion. Well, they the Democrats want two, I think two trillion, and then. Uh, 
I think the Republicans at first were saying they were only going to want to do, like you said, five hundred billion or mm-hmm. mil or a trillion or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shoot, Apple can go ahead and put out that next stimulus package. Come on that's, now, Apple. That's Come crazy. on now. I'm so happy you did your four ways stocks. I love it. <laughs> hey, for everybody though, if you do have stocks, like do your research on these companies. Don't just you know go out here and just start buying anything because you can lose a lot of money. I you can. Yeah. I know a lot of people who you know lost a lot of money just overnight. I've lost a lot of money. You know, Same. I've gained. You know, it's just uh, when you see that stock dropping, that doesn't mean you should sell it and get out. You know, that's that's what that's the first mistake people do. Is they buy something, and they they start making money, and then one day they start losing money, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna sell it." You gotta stay in it. You know, and then usually you make your money when you buy. Whenever when that stock market drops and it shit starts going red, and everybody's selling, and everybody gets scared, that's when you buy, because when it go back up, you're gonna make your money. Right. You know, so. What you mean you lost money? That mean we still married? Because you know I married you for your money. (laughs) Well, the joke's on you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Oh, and for all you parents out there that uh, are homeschooling your children, God bless you. I hope y'all did good in school (laughs) because. These kids is going to be slow. (laughs) They all going to be on the short bus club next school year. (laughs) Man, I hope not. Hey, they got a lot of online programs. Uh, What's the one? Khan. Khan Academy. We used Khan through college, both of us. K-H-A-N, in case you want to know. If you just want to brush up on your math because, you know, it is true. If you don't use it, you lose it. Like There was some stuff I had to remember. I was like, oh, my God, I feel Mm -hmm. stupid. But yeah, it's called Khan Academy. It's online. They do from the very basic math, I believe, up until um, college trig or calculus. Because um, I did college. What was the last math class? I did calculus. Mm, but yeah. yeah, they calculus trigonometry, trig, yeah, all that. that. Yeah, all that crazy stuff we don't ever use <laughs> for the most part. But. Right. Yeah, I hope. Uh, yeah, we don't want no dumb kids. So we really don't. Uh, next generation. So please. And, and just hire if you if you don't know something, hire a, a tutor. Uh, psh, man, we could be giving out some nuggets, but there's a just go online. Well, yeah, there's go a lot online. of people that that have the good thing about I would say the economy right now. There's a lot of people with a lot of skills that can make money. Right. You know, if your job just laid you off or whatever, but you still have that skill. Let's say you are good at math or you're a good photographer or, you know, anything. There's websites where you can go online, you can sell your services. So, you know, rather than you, you know, having your kid out here stupid, hire somebody to teach them. You know, you getting that unemployment check, put a little something to the side right. for your child, you know. So right. I hope we're just being smart. That's it. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into our subject here, unless you have something to add. I don't. Let's go. All right. So, um, the article again is about home appraisals. And the reason why this is a very personal, um, subject is because an appraisal is supposed to be an unbiased estimation of the home value. But of course, when you're dealing with people, there's always biases. Um, before we get into the article again, I'm sorry to keep deflecting, but, uh, Let's talk a little bit about our appraisal of our property that we had um, in Seattle, because if I remember correctly, we did have to ask the appraiser to reappraise 
or to, excuse me, I'm not reappraised, but reevaluate his appraisal because you had done some research and the comparables and the comparables being a uh, like like so, property. Let's not get ahead of ourselves real okay. quick. Let's just go back a little bit and let's just tell people, you know, what an appraisal is mm-hmm. and how it how it functions. Okay. To the, to well, an appraisal is a home appraisal, excuse me, is an unbiased estimation of the true or fair market value of what a home is worth. All lenders order an appraisal during the um, mortgage loan process. So there is an objective way, keyword objective way, to assess the home, um, the home's market value and ensure that the amount of money requested by the borrower is appropriate. Now, it's supposed to be objective, but it becomes more subjective because you're dealing with a single person giving their opinion of the value of your home or property. Um, And when we say property, we usually mean investment um, property. And and that, again, becomes subjective because it's their opinion and people give their biases no matter how robotic like they are. They're always going to give, you know, or or um, give an estimation according to their belief. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to our property, we had to ask the appraiser to reevaluate his appraisal of our property because it was it was uh, two duplexes that sat on one parcel, and I think our property, we were making more income than many like properties. Like the rents were higher. Um, We had two updated units. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, distinctions that we were like, well, hey, are you accounting for this and this and this and this and this? But Ramon, you you spoke uh, to the appraiser. Well, not the appraiser directly, but you spoke through our agent. Um, how did that transaction work? So before I answer that, sorry, um, I do want to go back and kind of say this because you did mention that I didn't speak to the appraiser. Mm-hmm. Now, it is against the law, for those that don't know. Um, when appraisal is ordered, so when you're buying a house, when you get to that stage where you go through the appraisal, the appraisal is ordered by the lender. Now, you as the buyer um, are going to pay for the appraisal, but the lender is just going to be the one to order it. Right. And so there's like a, uh, it's kind of like a lottery. So there's a list of appraisers and it's just a random one gets picked. And usually because of uh, 2008 and how that whole housing market downturn went was because of the appraisals, you know, mainly. Because a lot of people were getting their house appraised way more than it was really worth, right? And so then when things started going south, they was giving it up. So to kind of combat that, they was having appraisers who's not even from your neighborhood to come out and appraise your property. You cannot speak to the appraiser. Um, The only person who really has contact with it would be your realtor. So when they come to the property to appraise it, your realtor, your agent, would be there to, you know, just kind of show them around and whatnot. Um, so 
that's that. So now, as far as our appraisal, when the appraisal we're really talking about is when we sold our property. Right. It was our first property. So, like she said, I did a lot of research. And when we talk about comparables, the comparables is basically if there's another property that's just like yours as far as the bedrooms, the bathrooms, square footage. Um, and then I believe they go within a mile uh, square radius of your property as far as comparable, but they can go up to, I believe, seven miles. Right. But see, the reason why they do a mile is if a house has been sold, I think it's six months or less, mm -hmm. then they could do a mile. If it's longer than six months, they'll go out further. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, like she said, if... If you sometimes there's no there's no comparables in your neighborhood, so they have to go even further to find something that's like yours. So you can kind of do your own, you know, but you usually want to ask a realtor because they have access to MLS and you know things that you probably won't see that that's that's sold and it's called a BPO. And when we say they, we mean the appraiser. Sorry. No, no, I mean the agent, your real estate agent. Oh, okay. The real estate agent will let you know. They can pull up M MLS, MLS okay. and say, hey, here's a list of all the properties that is just like yours or very very much like yours. And they sold, and this is how much they sold for, and this is when they sold. So you will get an idea about what your property is worth. So um, with our property, uh, the amount that I had in my mind that we could sell it for uh, was what? Well, it was in yeah. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> no, I didn't want to ever. <laughs> I want people to be like, oh, wow. No, <laughs> uh, uh, just leave that on there. <laughs> leave that on there. All right, well, look, she don't want me to say it, but the price that I thought, it didn't it didn't sell for that. It sold for about 50000 less. And, you know, at the time, I didn't see why because there was a couple other properties that was like ours and our rents was higher. Uh, we had more uh, lot square footage, meaning, you know, not just the buildings, but the land, um, the amenities, you know, where it was located and everything. So uh, when the appraiser first did the appraisal, he came in, yeah, he came in 50000 less Low, yeah, lower. than what we were actually had it listed for. So, you know, everybody's like, okay, this ain't going to work because we would either have to drop the price to let the loan go through or the buyer could come in with that extra money, but, you know, who's going to do that? Or, you know, we just end the deal. Our buyers was cool, too. I would say that. They were. You know, they were trying to get the deal because... They were actually under a 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. So they were under a little time constraint too. So what happened is the buyer's agent communicated with the appraiser and sent him some more properties that was like ours, trying to get the, the appraiser to reappraise it and get it up to a certain amount. Because of the 1031. Because of 1031. And we'll so, have to explain what that is in another show, yeah, like how that works. That's a, yeah, that's a little, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, so basically we had to get our property reappraised and the amount that we, we agreed to drop it to, the appraisal came back in at that price. Um, but the messed up, or I feel like the messed up part 
and because I feel like I knew so much <laughs> in my heart. In your heart. How much this property was worth that here it is six months later, I think it was, probably not even that. And another property, I think. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Not six months later. Three days later? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Three about days that later. One. So, yeah, there was another property. In right the same, across yeah, right the across parking from lot yeah, from right, Mars. Yeah, right across the park, same parking lot, right across from Mars. The only difference, the only difference is ours was two bedrooms, one bath. His was three bedrooms, one bath. Now, originally, his, his four unit was all two bedrooms. But some years back, some of the old owners converted one of the bedrooms into a third one, legally. So you have two regular size bedrooms and one really small one, but it's a legal third bedroom. Because it had a window. Because it had a window. So uh, to put it in perspective, Section 8 was giving, I think, 1400 for a two-bedroom. Because he had that extra small third bedroom, he was getting 400, $450 extra per month. Oh, it was 1850 It was 1850 Sheesh. Which is crazy. I mean, so for all the flippers or rehabs, whatever, adding that extra bedroom, if you don't know, it does add. In the Seattle <laughs> area, boy, you can you can get some racks. Yeah. A lot of areas now, you know, you just yeah. add that that extra bedroom, it can really increase the price, the value of your property. dog is crying. So, anyway, when he sold his property, which was about, like we said, about three or four days after we sold ours. Uh, they got about 150000 160000 more for their property than us, than we got for ours. So it snowballed into this, here it is five, six months later, and other homeowners are putting their property on the market that is just like ours, two bedrooms, one bath, roughly the same square footage, and now they're getting $150,000, more. So I'm like, you know, I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but I knew that property was worth more. But for the appraiser to not see that, for whatever reason. And our agent to be silent. Well, yeah, but you know, the agent is not the appraiser. And you yeah, can't... but it took the buyer's agent to say something. I'm still yeah, it's true. That. It's true. You know, and it's it's good to have a good agent for so many reasons. We, right. We can we can kind of see that, but that extra hundred fifty thousand, that ain't no chump change. Right. That extra hundred fifty thousand, if you let's say you take the money and you're gonna keep it and put it in your bank account, you know, after taxes, that still might leave you about ninety thousand to hundred thousand. Let's say you were taking all that money and you're going to do what they said, the 1031 exchange. You, you take all the money and you move into and buy another property. That might be the difference of you getting a 20 unit or a 30 unit building. Like there's so many variables to that. And it's so important that your property gets appraised for what it is really worth. And, you know, when it comes to appraisals, you can definitely uh, dispute a, a low appraisal. If you feel like, no, that appraisal, that came in too low, there's ways that you can go about to dispute it. 
And that's really what your agent is for. You know, if you're trying to sell a property and they don't come in for that right price, your agent should look at that and know that, hey, you know what, we're going to dispute this and go ahead and attack that. So uh, that's really, you know, kind of what happened uh, with that appraisal. And I'll just kind of let you take over and, and uh, talk about, you know, the whole... Uh, was it with the couple? With the couple. Okay. Yeah, the couple down so going back to the article, now we're really going to get into the subject of the podcast. Okay. So the um, it's on the New York Times.com, Black homeowners face discrimination in appraisal. So um, an interracial couple, Black wife, whom um, is a lawyer with a white husband, um, wanted to refinance their home back in June four bedroom, four bathroom, rinsed out house in Jacksonville. Um, they lived just a minutes from a river in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, it was a suburban neighborhood of the 1950s. So this is that perfect house that you would think of with the, you know, white picket fence and, you know, you have the standard nuclear family home. Um, the homes in that area tend to sell for three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty thousand. However, in their vicinity vicinity, um, it is usually around four hundred and fifty thousand um that it would be appraised. However, their appraiser felt differently and appraised their home at three hundred and thirty thousand. Now that is under the minimum price by twenty thousand. Um, and then, uh, the wife whom is black, she immediately suspected discrimination. And when the appraisers come, sometimes people are at home so you can get a feel of the type of person that is going to be appraising your home. Our appraiser, we didn't get to meet him. I don't think we had the opportunity to speak to him, but anyway, this ain't about it. And we're going to give you some little tips, you know, unfortunately, they're good tips, but it, it kind of sucks that you, that you have to kind of do this. But right. go ahead and finish your Um So the couple spoke to their bank, whom was you know, refinancing, and the bank said that this appraisal was off um, and ordered a second appraisal. Um, but before the second appraiser came out, the wife, whom is black, she took down anything that would be considered black and... Uh, just a note that um, agents will ask you if you're selling a home to take personal pictures down and stuff like that for this reason, too. Um, because a lot of times uh, homes that are uh, currently occupied by black uh, residents, they don't sell for as much or they will not sell. But anyways, um, she did an experiment. She took all of the family photos down. Um, she took um, paintings down. Uh, anything that represented or showed that there was a there's black people living in the home. She took that out. And when the when the second appraiser came, uh, when he came. The appraisal came back at $465,000, which is 40% more than the original appraisal. Again, the original appraisal was $330,000. And um, another, like when she 
when the um, victim, we'll call him the victim, <laughs> the victim family, um, you know, put this on, I think it was uh, social media. I don't know what social media platform, but when she put this on the social media platform, many people had the same issues. Uh, mixed race families, predominantly black and Latinx families um, said that their homes were consistently appraised for less than their neighbors. Um, now, of course, it's against the law, according to HUD, but there's people always find a way around it. That's why the appraisals are supposed to be objective, not subjective. But here it is, you know, we're in 2020 and we're still talking about discrimination according to redlining. And we'll also get into that once again. Um, so all these little microaggressions <laughs> in the housing market, it, it they happen. They happen. And all you can do is what she did or what Ramon did. You know, do your research. Please, especially if you feel as if you're being cheated because you are something like this, you are. This family could have been cheated out of $135,000. That is a lot of money. Oh man, listen. I'm That's good. a lot of money. That's a whole new house in some areas. That's a whole new house. That's that's a lot. That, you know, that's, um, that's enough to fight over. I'm not even gonna lie. Exactly. That that that, nah, that ain't nothing to be playing. You, who boy, I want to say something, but I'm a I'm a keep it professional. <laughs> All right. So, um, another person that experienced um this discrimination, this appraisal discrimination, was. The actor and comedian D.L. Hughley, where he discussed in his book, I can't remember the name of his uh, book that recently came out, um, but he had a home in that he was trying to sell in um, the San Fernando Valley area in L.A., of course, um, and he purchased the home three years prior to him selling for 500000 and the it was appraised for five hundred thousand, <laughs> so it was appraised for the same amount he purchased it for, um, and the bank flagged the report. Now, see, this is how important um, systemic racism is, because if an appraiser has a questionable report and the bank allows that to go through, that seller or buyer, the seller, preferably in this case. Um, is missing out on a lot of money. However, the bank flagged it. The appraiser was fired. And then the new appraisal came back for 160000 more. So it appraised at $660,000, but the home sold for $770,000. See how God worked. See, God says, you know what? I'm going to give you an extra 110000 for your troubles because this dude is ignorant. He should have appraised it this before and you could have sold it for 1.4 million everybody could have been getting paid in the neighborhood that want to sell their house that's so ignorant it is but like you said like a lot of that stuff like that you can't uh you can't it's not foolproof you know like you can't stop it and and being that this was down in florida of all places i mean what you mean of all places you know how much i despise florida well, that's what i'm saying I mean, miami I, and all i don't I, care i do not like i florida. wasn't surprised when you said or new jersey I wasn't surprised when you said Florida, you know, just because, I mean, the history that they have with, I mean, racism. I mean, and, you know, looking at that, the first thing I thought was, 
For, first thing I thought was, okay, how long has that dude been an appraiser? And then now if I'm the appraisal board, I have to go back and investigate every property that he has appraised since his inception. Right. Because now I guarantee you, there's probably, <laughs> this probably in the double digits of millions that he's probably helped people lose out on their equity. Now, I was reading something that said that this is just in the Houston area. Just in Houston. That low appraisals cost black. We just talking black homeowners, not black and brown, just black. Black homeowners about $156 billion in home equity. Billion. Low appraisals. That is That keeps you away from, from wealth. And, and I don't think people know the significance or the importance of a home appraisal coming back correctly. Because when they appraise your home, let's say $250,000 home, you put some work into it, your neighbor's house sold a month ago for $330,000. But you put a little bit more work in there, you got extra bedrooms, so your house should, pray, should appraise for at least three i'd say 345 350 uh-huh. and the appraisal comes back less or at what you paid for it you're missing out on uh you know over a hundred thousand dollars and that hundred thousand dollars that allows you to pay you know the commissions because you're paying commissions closing costs you're, you're you know um if you if the buyer requests anything and you've negotiated some other repairs or whatever, or taxes, credits, yeah, I mean, there's a point. lot of things that come, you know, with selling a home and purchasing a home. So it, it just, it doesn't help anyone. Um, and then for the agents, if they're seeing this and, and, and they've done their due diligence of doing a market analysis just to see how other homes have sold in the area, they'll they'll be able to say something about that too. So you always need an ambassador or some someone that's going to be on your side as the buyer or the seller. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the buyer isn't gonna, you know, they're really not gonna say anything unless it's a ten thirty one, you know, because they have to use pretty much all. Well, they want to use pretty much all that money to go toward the cost of the, you know, of the. Um, purchasing property or home uh-huh. um but it just it, it it really negates the fact that you know it, it, i don't know it, it just it's, it's it's a touchy topic it is a touchy topic because like you said 156 billion dollars yeah i mean think about 156 billion dollars can do so much yeah right? it can. That's, that's that can stimulate a whole economy and to think that, but the but the okay, so the so the bad part is that this is happening. You said in black neighborhoods, black so, and brown neighborhoods, because the percentages were very close. Mm-hmm. I mean, low appraisals happen. I think they're within like two percent. It was like fifteen percent, ten, you know, and then thirteen percent or something like that. So they were mm-hmm. neck and neck. And see, that's the thing is that when they when they start gentrifying. Right, so they raise taxes, or do things like that to get you out. They go in there, they fix it up even more, mm-hmm. 
Now they're really getting way. That probably is now probably way up. Yeah. Because it's gonna be a totally different, you know, family that's living there. That Look don't at live Harlem. Like they said that. Uh, Let's go back to the nineties, Harlem. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you can buy you a brownstone for about three hundred thousand. We'll say that was three hundred thousand. Them jokers is worth every bit of two million dollars. Two million because they put um a Starbucks in the neighborhood. And a Whole Foods, uh, what else? Uh, Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. and you got you know some some white you know some white people that feel comfortable enough jogging and and um, walking their dogs you know up and down the street. That brought value to neighborhoods of people who who've been trying to sell their you know brownstones for all you know let's say for a year they've been trying to sell it you know and and get a good return and they may only be able to sell something that's currently worth two million for 1.4 or something like that that's how significant this is i mean that that's a six hundred thousand dollar gap and and that's a lot of money. You can do a lot with $600,000. I'm just giving you an example of gentrified neighborhoods where this is happening. I mean, it just really goes to show that not only do you know we need to purchase more land, more property, but to keep the neighborhoods up, you know, um, because you get pushed out and then they're making your neighborhood better and more expensive. And then you push it into another neighborhood, um, you know, Black and brown people. I mean, this this is it's really sinking in when you hear the hundred fifty six billion dollars. Yeah, that's and that's <laughs> just in one city. That's in one city. That was in the Houston area. Yeah, that's just like you said. That's just in one city. Like, and Houston is big, so mm-hmm. you know. I, but that's crazy to hear. You know that the appraisers, and that's the thing when you have people that have positions where they have that much power. Right. You're going to get some some. You know, saying some little funny business, right? Because they have that much power, they can make or break your pop your property. They can, you know, what I mean, they can make your deal or break your deal. Yeah, because again, an appraiser is giving you his unbiased opinion. It is not a factual report until it is accepted. So you can contest that if you feel as if your home or property is coming in appraised lower than than many homes that have sold like homes. So if you got a two bedroom, two bedroom home, you know, that have sold in your area, um, if that appraisal comes back low, please don't keep your mouth shut because Dispute it. Dispute it. Dispute you know, it. you you gotta eat. You gotta eat. And you're not trying to be greedy or, you know, get get rich immediately. It's just that you're entitled to that. In all due fairness, if that house next door that a white family has sold sells for a certain price and then yours sells significantly lower than what you listed it at or try to get it refinanced at, you're entitled to that month, to that amount or more, especially if you put money into that home. Now, with our situation, our buyers were black. We are a black couple. So when I read this, I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. Simply because the the fourplexes that were selling 
in our area were selling at at least seven fifteen. I mean, you know, again, we're only talking about this because this is just another aspect when you talk about real estate, whether mm-hmm. you're selling or you're buying, but you know, specifically when you're selling, because unfortunately, this is just how it is. You know, what I mean, right. we can change it. But this is just how these are some things that you can't change right now. You can't change someone's perspective or their perception of how you are, you know, even if you don't, they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for them to get that appraisal in their house way below what it was worth for really no reason, you know, that if, if they didn't um, go ahead and dispute that, just think about what they would have been missing out right. of Right. So, you know, if you know, and I know a lot of people, you own something, you take it to heart, you feel like, oh, no, my, a lot of people think their property is worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not. But when you do your research, you have to trust your, your research. Trust your gut, trust your research that, you know what, I don't think this is right. Right, and look at those houses. Go out, get in your car, and drive around and look at those houses or properties that have sold mm-hmm. in your area. Look at them online. See, I mean, do, right. does, does the bedrooms and the bathroom match what you have? Does the square footage of the units match what you have? Does the, the lot size match, you know, what you have? The amenities, you know, certain things you can kind of tell, okay, yeah, my property and this property will probably be around the same price. Get your Get your realtor. To do, like I said, do a BPO and check the comparables and see what your property should be worth because they can do that. Um, so you know, just just going with that. I mean, I just look again. If you're selling a house, you're selling a property. I know we all love to have pictures and things hanging up on the wall, but unfortunately, you know, if you're a black couple or just a black family, brown family in general. You, or interracial family. Yeah, interracial family. <laughs> Anybody in the house is black or brown. Right. Take the pictures down. Take them down. Take, take books down. Anything that. Yeah, anything that can signify that you black or, <laughs> or brown. brown. <laughs> take take it away. Because we did. We had some books, you know, that were, you know. No, we took, you took them down. Because so I was like, no, leave them up. Remember, yeah. like, all the African stuff that yeah. we had gotten? Yeah, and, we had a lot of a lot of cultural stuff yes. in our house, including pictures that I, I took down. And. I mean, appraisal still came in lower, but it might have been something left. Oh, you was at home. I was at home. See, there you go. Yeah, so it's just unfortunate. Like I said, it's the game. You gotta, you have to play it. If you want to stay in it, there's certain things that you just kind of have to do, and you have to find a way around it. And this is just kind of one of those issues, you know, with appraisals. But don't give up. Don't get discouraged. You know what they say. uh, You know, get mad but get even. Right. Or don't get mad, get even. You know, just dispute it. If your appraisal come in short and you're like, ah, I know it's not that low, <clears throat> dispute it. And you want to keep it going. You know what I'm saying? You want to take it to the air because you want that appraisal to get fired. Right. Because you don't want them to go and do that to another family. Yeah, because he's taking food out of your mouth, so why it not definitely do the same? And looking at this, sorry, I don't know if you want to say in 2015, the study. Oh, no, no, no. Go that? ahead. Go ahead. We reading so, from notes. So, real quick, we're just going to say <laughs> that, you know, because 2015, um, in the state of Texas, 78% of appraisers were men. 86% of those were white. Now, that's too one-sided uh, because now that's too much of a chance of having lower appraisals based off of what someone looks like. Um there need to be more women, and there need to be more people of different races. Um, you know, too bad you can't pick your appraisers, 
But I do think, and this is my personal opinion, if you have appraisers in a certain neighborhood, I think some of those appraisers, if not most of them, should look like the people that live there. Right. Um, You know what I mean? It doesn't have to always be, but it should because I think you're going to really see a different turn in the real estate and and the values. Yeah, because we know like living in, you know, in the neighborhoods that we lived in, you might see a whole four blocks of just beautiful homes and then like two blocks away going any direction Mm -hmm. is, you know, a war zone or, you know, people that... You know, they the neighborhood's kind of clean, but you might see some, you know, some some stuff that you don't want to see. However, you got those four blocks, you know, in the middle of all that, that's nice. People waking up every day, go to work or, you know, whatever. Because I grew up, you know, as a teenager in a neighborhood like that where it was two black, two parent homes. And I think... We were the only home that was really a single, single parents. Mm-hmm. And it was a, you know, interracial neighborhood, but it was predominantly black. And these houses were nice. Yards, you know, very well taken care of and pampered and houses painted. It wasn't, you know, dilapidated or anything like that. Very nice homes. But had an appraiser come through there, he'd have been like, oh, it's a lot of black people that live over here. So, mm. You know, depending on his beliefs and his biases, he could have, you know, said, hey, um, nah. And it doesn't always happen. You don't want to give the perception that, you know, white appraisers always give lower appraisers to black or brown people. It's just some. And and unfortunately, those few that do do it can taint the whole world of appraisals. Exactly. Um, So, you know, because you have websites like Zillow that use algorithms to value homes using comparable for neighborhoods across the metro area with no regard for racial context. But if you throw in, because Zillow is one of those sites where you can go in there and say, I'm the owner of this property, Mm -hmm. and you can put in info and facts about the property. And it'll tell you what it's valued at. And then they base off of county records, what was sold, and things of that nature. So, you know, Zillow is not always accurate, but somewhat. you know, when you talk about just selling a property, you want to get the most. You know, that's your property. If you put, you know, a lot of time and work into it, you want to get the most you can get. So, you know, fight for it. You know, when it comes to appraisals, get what you know you're supposed to get. Now, don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> don't be silly and be like, yeah, my property worth a million dollars. Right. And everybody else selling for 600 that's a little crazy. You know, you got to be, you got to be, use common sense. Yeah, you got to be realistic. Common you know, sense ain't so common. You got to be realistic. But if everything around you is like yours is selling 500 and your praise is like, oh, yeah, yours is 350 okay, that's a red flag. <laughs> no, 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 we ain't there. We ain't about to do that. So, um, again. You, oh, go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Now, what do you think about um, using algorithms to appraise properties? What do you, I mean, you gave a little piece of that but what what do you think um that will be for the future because i'm sure that's the direction it's going to go especially with redfin zillow and mm-hmm. other um what what agents call discount agencies i think algorithms are good you know they say numbers don't lie but i think algorithms are good to an extent you still have to have the human factor in there right because <clears throat> excuse me there's some things that the computer can't 
there's some variables the computer cannot, you know, based, you know, like the amenities or where that property really sits in the area, what's about to be built, um, you know, kind of like what it looks like. There's certain things that it doesn't take into account on the value of that property because your property is only is, is only worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. So I think to a certain extent, the algorithms is good. I'm not big on algorithms and a lot of stuff, credit, all that crap, because I think if you have one little blemish, it can, it can, it can make a big difference. Yeah, but versus you know, a person, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. if I'm interviewing, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm written out a unit, and I let a computer do it, mm-hmm. it might, it might miss, it might uh, miss over a good tenant, because it's gonna base things off of statistics or give you a bad tenant or give me a bad tenant, right mm-hmm. but if i'm sitting in front of that tenant and i'm interviewing them and i can see okay i get the vibe from you mm-hmm. i look in your eye i can you know i might pick a good one now you know what i mean because yeah your credit ain't the best and all this other stuff right but i might look at your character and how you was after your credit would you know certain things i can do from the human factor right so i think the algorithms uh i know i think take, it gives you a base it gives and you a base. You just kind of work from there. It should just be a guide. A guide, exactly. That's that's I, a great. I think way to the algorithm it. should just be a guide. It should not be the end all be all. But see, here's what appraisers are saying. Appraisers are saying that homes in black neighborhoods are valued lower because buyers are paying less for them. So it's kind of the chicken and egg thing. Which comes first? Does the appraisal come first, or does the buyer buying the home at less first? Well, it kind of. Then it, then it, then I have to ask the question: Why are the buyers paying less? Because of the appraiser. So it just kind of, you know, it's like tennis. It just goes back and somewhat, forth. right? But let's say that there's a nice, clean neighborhood, but most of the people on that block is is black, black. and brown. Mm-hmm. As a white person, you may not feel as comfortable, right? Because mm-hmm. you may feel more comfortable around people that look like you. That might mm-hmm. be a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's just about. Certain people like are more comfortable around people that look like them. That's just innately. That's just how people are. So, you know, I think the misconception, the stereotypes that go along with black people in in real estate, is like you said. You know, black people live in the hoods. Black black people live in the ghettos. It's crackheads and it's gangs and all this other stuff. When that's a small portion, right? You know what I mean. So, but when you when that is when that is put out and portrayed on the news and media sites and all this stuff. People feed into that, and that's what they believe. Right. So an appraiser, let's say that's a white man who is not from that neighborhood, hasn't been to that neighborhood, don't live over there, what do you think he's going to think about your property? It could it could look decent. Right. It could look but, better than decent. It could be nicer than what he's living in. He could be living in a hovel for all we know. And I bet you that's the case sometimes. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to probably look at your property, and then if he see your picture on the wall or something or he sees something that equates this is somebody that's black or Mexican or something Latino in this in this house he may not get that to you and you know this really spans outside the realm of real estate when you look at billboards you know when you look at other countries like you can just really see the the spectrum of of people's thoughts when it comes to skin color mm-hmm. you know and so it's it's really a psychological thing. I think, just like you know, police, you should be you should undergo a psycholog a psychological evaluation. 
Anytime that you are in a position that you have that much control over someone's well-being, you should go under a psych evaluation. You should. Because I need to know how you feel about people who don't look like you. But see, those values change. That's the only thing. Like, they change. The way you felt yesterday, you may not feel today. That's cool. But at the same time, this is also the thing, too, is you have to actually also put in place repercussions. Yeah, right. So absolutely. so if you have a police department that is not acting in the right way and they they, they commit they commit something, murder, whatever, there has to be some kind of repercussions to make them think twice of doing that again. Right. For the appraisal appraiser, if he does something like that, his job needs to be taken. Yeah. Immediately. Because the next person they may hate black people or brown people. They may hate them, but they're going to do their job right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. You can never change how people feel about you, but you can change the reaction of what they do. I might not like you, but I'm going to do my job because I don't want to face the repercussions. If I go ahead and appraise your, the value of your property lower than what it's supposed to be and they get disputed and then I can't, I can't justify why I did that, Knowing that I might lose my license, mm-hmm. I mean lose money out of my lose pocket, my job, my career, and my I might well-being. not be able to get to be an appraiser again. Right. You know, they make it national, so you won't be able to go be an appraiser anywhere. Mm-hmm. That'll make you think twice. Yeah. Keep your opinions to yourself. I don't care how you feel about me personally. Just do your job right and appraise my house for what you know it's worth. Yeah, I think the thing is too, and um, we need to we uh, black and brown people. Buying your neighborhoods, build the wealth in your neighborhoods. Do not allow anyone to determine the value of your community. Because what happens is, is we get these jobs in other communities and then we move into their communities and you're not wanted there at all. It's like, I can work with you, but I don't want you to live next to me. Um, that's, you know, that is what we're seeing. I'm not just saying this and making this up. We're seeing it. People can't jog, bird watch. They can't. They can't do regular day stuff. Like think you can't breathe. Which, and that was one of the things that I said to Ramon when we lived in Kansas City. I'm like, I'm tired of living in the suburbs. I can't do it no more. Um, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe just doing regular stuff. But anyways, um, you see a, a nice home in a black neighborhood. Get a camera system. You can get robbed in a, in a black neighborhood just as well as you can in a white neighborhood. The thing is, is that you know your people. You know the type of people that, that you're dealing with. Bring value to your neighborhood. Start businesses. If you want to start that business, it doesn't have to be in the suburbs. It can be in that neighborhood that's growing. What they're doing, and we're seeing it in every major city in the United States, where you go back, let's say you moved away, you go back home and visit, and that same neighborhood you grew up in, you like, dang, that house is nice. And you're like, wow, they riding bikes and walking dogs and One man's calling trash. the police on people who lived here their whole life. There's another man's trip. Yeah, no, you bring value to your neighborhoods. Stay in those neighborhoods. Build your own neighborhood. Then you... Then when you turn on the news 
and and you see something you like oh okay that's regular stuff because a lot of these police murders were people who had um some sort of mental illness and uh, as we know we all had a uh, booty freaking freddy and you know he was crazy <laughs> You don't remember? Oh, y'all didn't no, have no, one in no, y'all no, neighborhood? No, no. Well, we had one. <laughs> but you knew who was weird, who was quirky, who was crazy. They didn't bring no harm to nobody other than themselves. And you didn't call the police on them. You went down the street, told his mom, grandma, whoever lived in that, in that neighborhood. That's how important it is to learn where you live. You know the people where you live. But with that... Again, because it makes sense that, like you said, if you grow up in the hood, you eventually move to the suburb because it's already it's already done for you. It's already nice, nice houses. Yeah, but they've been building homes. their neighborhoods up since the fifties. Right, right, but that but that's what I'm saying. You already got a gift wrap for you, mm-hmm. right? The hood is gonna take some time to do that because it's so it's been so worn down over years. So that's why it's important for you to get into real estate and to learn it and to learn about, you know, flipping and rehabbing. Well, I won't even say flipping, but just rehabbing the property, um, developing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of land. You can develop some stuff, build stores, you know, and gas stations and all kinds of stuff in your neighborhood to where you don't have to go outside your neighborhood to get anything. You know, and, and, and we... We don't learn that. We don't want to do that. We'd rather just move out to the suburbs because it's already there. When we can do it in our own neighborhood. And then what happens is you move out to the suburbs where it's already at. And then they pack up and move to where you just moved from. And then they bring that same stuff. They build it right there. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, those those neighborhoods, you know, where it's predominantly black and brown is by the, the, uh, the water or near yeah. downtown. Yeah. And they build it up. And the next thing you know, those values of those houses just skyrocket. Skyrocket. And the value was always there. And that was one of the things that was mentioned in the article that I read is that a lot of times the houses that were um, that were appraised were in neighborhoods, as Ramon mentioned, you know, near the water downtown. Um, because that's, you know, where the work was for black people back in the day. But they tend to stay in those neighborhoods that they grew up in. And um, they appraised for more than like houses in white neighborhoods because mm-hmm. of location. Location is so important. If you don't believe that, just, just, just go look at a bunch of cities and look at where the, the, the black people are. You know, you might have to go back to the 90s. They're, they're you might near have, universities. Yeah, you might have to find... Well, Yale. Yale is in the hood. Yeah. Yeah, there's so like, many universities that's in... Where the predominantly black people and brown people are is actually good locations. They're the best locations in the city. But we don't see that, and then what we do is we move. Well, they're looking at that, and they're like, oh, yeah, let's get them out there. Yeah, because we're going to move right on in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, my favorite show, well, your show too, The Office. The Office, I love it. If you guys have never seen that, we probably said this, but I'm going to say it again. Dunder Mifflin. Hey, Dwight is a character named Dwight. He said something uh, to one of the black guys that was on the show. I forget his name. He's in a lot of movies. but uh, Craig Robinson. Who? His, his real name is Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. I forget his name on the show. That's crazy. I can't even think of a damn name on the show. But there was, it was a clip. And he said this to him. And it was funny, but it, it made sense and it was very true. He said, I know how to build a business. 
You got to get the black people to do it in order to get the white people to do it. Then you got to get the black people to stop doing it. Now think about that for a second because that's exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you think about it, we're like the biggest consumers in this country. Yeah, we are. You get us to start doing it, then you get us to stop. You get us to move out the neighborhood and come to your neighborhood, and you get us to stay there, and you come and get our stuff. Yeah, you're buying it for less. You're buying and it, it for value that more. So. That's and you got to think about that's how they're building. That's how people build generational wealth. Yeah, they're buying it real cheap. And they putting, you know, rehabbing it, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in value. Right. And this is be less than a year. Mm-hmm. You know, once they throw up a few stores, oh my God, you, you like she said, you gonna come back ten years later, and you're not even gonna recognize your own neighborhood. So it's it really, it really, we really wanted to talk about this because I think appraisals don't get enough attention. Because of how much money, as we can see, that gets lost in transition. $156 billion. Again, that was just in one major city in the United States. So that says a lot. That's like three Warren Buffetts. You know, three uh, uh, Bill Gates. <laughs> as far as their net worth. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of money that we're leaving on the table. And we got to stop doing that. We, you know, yeah. if we wanted things to change. If we want, we want to make a difference. We, you know, we don't want to be going through all the things that we're going through financially, uh, physically too. You got to start a base. And I'm telling you, real estate has to be that base. Owning property. Owning land. So, I think we've covered it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Hey, uh, sorry for the delay on this podcast. You know, we... Yeah, we, we needed a, a vacation, like, well, we from reality. But we're going to keep going. You know, we're going to try to bring some more content. Um, definitely, you know, as far as, uh, you know, more about how to start in real estate, you know, more creative ways. Um, you know, showing some some real-life photos, videos of... Interviews. Interviews, you know, of, of, of rehabbers. You know, Properties who, in different cities. Yeah, that people like to rehab. and they hi, Because I know people, You sometimes it's one thing to hear it, it's another thing to see it. And, you know, there's a lot of forums out on this internet. A lot of people tell you, oh, it's easy to get in real estate. You can make six figures. You can do this and do that. That and takes it, time, hence the name, Slow Well. But it, a lot of times they leave out things. And, you know, for the average person, you didn't have nobody in your family that left you an apartment building when they died. Right. You don't have a rich friend that just give you a million dollars because y'all cool. Let me just add to that. I know we're closing out here, but a lot of people, a lot of black people gain their way, wealth, excuse me, um, after someone passed away. Used to. They See, used now, to. Yeah. That because of, you know, their life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, our grandparents, parents, so our great-grands, they would leave money in their death because they knew that that money would give their children a heads up. And we got to get back to that. And and one... I mean, we got to get back to that mentality where yeah. we're getting life insurance. Yes, yeah. everyone should have life insurance. Man, we, I'm going to have to post something like that. Like, just <laughs> something that... We all need to do, you know, we, we all know, you know, at some point our life comes to an end mm-hmm. and you just want to make sure that you leaving your loved ones 
so they don't have to struggle. Yeah, you know, because so, they competing with the uh, Byron Trumps, Baron Byron, Baron Trumps of the world. They're competing mm-hmm. with them. Your ch- your children should be able to compete with a boy like that, with that child. And if you don't got a lot of money, just think of what you could do with if you just left your kids a house. Right. You exactly. know what I mean? It don't even have to be worth a lot of money. You know, you can. Um, I, I listened to one uh, podcast where the guy he bought a he bought a uh, I think a duplex or a Ford unit, and he put it on an eighteen year loan. Oh yeah, yeah. For his daughter, for his daughter. Mm-hmm. So when his daughter was born, now he could have had a thirty year loan, but he said by the time she turns eighteen, it'll be paid off for. Her. Mm-hmm. That's how we supposed to think. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because you you're not just thinking about yourself. You think about other people. You think about exactly. your kids. You think your family. You know, like when I'm gone, I gotta make sure they're good. So I think we have to change the narrative. Change you know that that's not just for other people. Everybody should be thinking like that. Yeah, and some people think about, you know, when it comes to death, they're like, oh, that's so morbid. And it's like, no, dummy, it's not morbid. You live, and then one day you'll die. We all got to go. Ain't nobody going out, (laughs) you know, unless you plan on living for a thousand years and and there's a trick to the trade. Hey, we all going to die. So you you need to prepare. You need Mm -hmm. to live your life according to, hey, one day I'm going to die. Live, enjoy your life, but you are going to die. But starting now, though, get yes, get get a house. Absolutely. There's several houses out here you can buy for thirty, forty, fifty thousand. Fix it up. You know what I'm saying? Have it paid off when your kids, you know, you die, your kids got it. They gotta, you know, let them do what they want with it. Right. At least they got a leg up, you know. Exactly. Don't leave them out here just struggling. And that's what's happening. These this is this is passing generation to generation. Kids are being left with nothing from their parents. And now they're just trying to figure it out. So we got to stop that. We got to change that. We absolutely do. All right. Hey, that was a good one. Yeah. Touched everything. All right. So I'm going to close this out with the motivational quote we started with. Again, it starts by saying, don't let someone dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. I want to thank all of our listeners from the bottom of our our hearts. For the bottom of our house. Yeah, <laughs> our house. The bottom of our hearts because we really appreciate you. Um, ta- we know these podcasts are long, but, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to give us your ear. Um, if you have any questions, of course, you could always email us at invest at slowwealth.com. That is I-V-E-I-N-V-E-S-T. <laughs> At slowwealth.com. <laughs> Today I'm slow. I n v e s t at s l o e w e a l t h dot com. Slow wealth. Um, hey, Facebook. We're on Facebook at Slow Wealth, uh, and this 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 podcast is also on Spotify, Google Play, Google Play, and iTunes. iTunes. Yes. Um, please subscribe. Leave comments. Like, Love, please, aka like us. Please leave comments and share this. Share because yes. the more people that can find out about this, I mean, this is how you change things. We you know we can't keep everything to ourselves. Right. We have to get it out there. We have to share it, and that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to get more and more people to learn about this and take off with it. You know. Yeah, knowledge is power, and a lot of people make you pay for what what we're telling you. Just. 
for the first four shows. They make you pay for that. We're giving you the game for, for free. And trust me, it's it's for real the game. Yes. When we learned it, I almost felt bad because I was like, man, we ain't even paid for it. Right. You know what I mean? But I think this is kind of, I know they say the game is to be sold and not told, but you know what? Where has that got us? Yeah, nowhere. Nowhere. So definitely, um, you know, like Ramon said, tell your friends, your family, tell everyone about, you know, our, our podcast. And as he said before, we'll bring you a YouTube channel in the future, hopefully soon, um, with, you know, many interviews and and travels and we really gonna try to give you a lot of stuff. Like yeah, a lot people of content. That can, people that know about credit, you know how to really fix your credit up. I know we talked about it, but like we're gonna try to find like some credit specialists, you know, rehabbers, people that know how to rehab a property, how to find it, and realtors, you know, how to really find an Mortgage agent. Mortgage lenders, so, all of that. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, and we again, we love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's very humbling to have a broad audience and um please subscribe leave comments love like us again that's it that's it y'all that's it that's our show all right fam thanks again